Welcome to the Central Community Church Podcast. We exist to be authentic followers of Jesus, leading others to follow Him by loving God, loving people, and serving our world. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Woo! Great to see you. You're looking good, almost as good as me. Nice work. Just kidding, although I obviously don't dress up very much because everyone's making a big deal about it. So, you know what, maybe in another 18 months or so, I'll clean up again. But so glad you're here. If you have no clue who I am and you're wondering, what is the deal? My name is Matt, one of the pastors here. And truly, we thank you for making Central and this service a part of your Christmas season. Really great to see you here. A few nights ago, I went to see the new Star Wars movie. And uh, I made the mistake of going to the 1020 showing at night. And so I have no clue what happened. I'm sure it was a great movie, but I was asleep. And then I talked about, but I do remember in the, in, in the two services I did already today, I, I talked about, but I do remember the, the, the scrolling text at the beginning, you know, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away. And then somebody told me after the, the last service, they're like, there was no text at the start of this last one. It was like a big discussion. And I'm like, I don't know what I saw. So obviously, I don't recall anything about that movie. I was there. But, but what's funny about it is we, we know what, how to characterize stories. Like we, we put it in one of two buckets. There's the once upon a time stories, fantasy fantasy, fiction, and then the, there's the history stuff, right? So we, we put Yoda and, and Elsa and Barney the Purple Dinosaur in one bucket and all of their wonderful sayings, and we think, oh, those are sweet, those are nice, but it's fiction. It's, it's once upon a time fantasy story. And then over here, you know, there's Aristotle and Socrates and all right, Plato and all these thinkers of the past and their wisdom, and we, we give it different weight and we, we, we think of those things differently. Well, Christmas comes along and we have to kind of put it in one of two buckets. Is this just a, a fanciful story? Is it just a sweet Christmas story that warms our hearts and then on we go? Or is, the, is it fact? Is it history? And did Jesus really come? Well, this Advent season at Central, we've been looking at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, the, the first book in the, in the New Testament, and it's a genealogy of 14 generations. That's how Matthew opens the gospel. So it's like name after name after name after name, 42 name, uh, generations in a row. It's like father, son, father, son, father, son. Just if you're trying to read that, you're just butchering Hebrew name after Hebrew name after Hebrew name, and that's what you're doing. But in the middle of it, like it's interesting, Matthew starts it by saying in Matthew 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, what Matthew is doing is saying, this is a real person, Jesus, who really lived. Just go up to Nazareth and ask his family. Go vouch for yourself. That's what, what Matthew was trying to get his original hearers to do in the first century is Jesus really came. Jesus really existed, and if this, this, this man in history is true, well, then we should start to weigh what he said, and he said some pretty astounding things, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one comes to God the Father but by me, and, and so we, we, we are kind of compelled to think about things that way, and what Matthew is doing is he's not starting the gospel by saying, once upon a time. He's starting it by saying, this man, Jesus, who really lived, lived a life like no other, and I want you to listen. Um, Also, in this genealogy, we looked at 42 generations of father's names and their sons, and father, son, father, son. In the middle of all of that are the names of five women. 
And what we discovered in the, the weeks leading up to this, uh, the Advent weeks, is we, we looked at each one of those women's names and who they were because Matthew was um, trying to get us to think back to their stories. That's the reason why they're there is to think back. And what's interesting, out of all the 42 generations, the five women's names that are mentioned there are ones that aren't like, oh, remember that story because it's really great and really sweet and the people were really pure and religious and perfect. No, all of the stories are stories of scandal. They're stories of, there's kids in the room, so we'll just take it this far. They involve prostitution, adultery, and murder, and that's the family line of Jesus. Essentially, what Matthew's showing us is, is that there's a mess that Jesus entered the world in. And, and when Jesus finally arrived, he said things like, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And I came for the sick, Jesus said. And that's what the church has been built on ever since, is that it's not a museum for saints, but a hospital for the sick. And so if you're feeling maybe on Christmas Eve and you don't normally come to church, maybe perhaps that's your situation and you feel maybe like a little bit of an outsider tonight, please don't, because Jesus came into the midst of real life. He came to rescue, He came to save, He came to be known by you at Christmas time. So we've looked at Tamar and, and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, and the fifth woman listed in the genealogy is a young woman named Mary, and we're going to reflect on her a little bit this evening. Just to set that up, I want to say this. The Christian faith, you may know a lot about it, you may be a follower of Jesus, you may not, but the Christian faith requires the commitment of the whole life. Once you get to know Jesus and once you get reading the Bible, what you discover is that it, it everything about you gets enveloped into the story of Jesus. Jesus said things like when he called his disciples, like drop everything and follow me, and they did it. He later said, take up your cross and follow me. This isn't just sort of a casual thing. It's an all-of-life thing. Um, and here's the thing about that. To go from uncommitted to fully committed in faith in Jesus Christ, that doesn't happen in one fell swoop. That doesn't happen in one fell swoop at all. To go from uncommitted to fully committed um, is a process. Now, for some, it's a quick process, and for some, it's a longer process, but I hope I'm discovering you this Christmas Eve night somewhere in the process of faith and discovering who Jesus really is. And maybe you'll see yourself in the responses of Mary to the miracle of Christmas and the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's reflect on Mary for a few minutes. Her story, likely a teenage girl around the age of 15, betrothed to a young man named Joseph, which is kind of this prolonged, his, um, ancient um, engagement process. So that's the scenario for her. And in the midst of this, um, an angel named Gabriel appears to her and says, Greetings, O favored one of the Lord. So this is just an ordinary teenage girl. This isn't fantasy. This isn't fiction. This is news. This is good news that Matthew is delivering. And um, what happens is, um, yeah, Gabriel comes, this angel, to Mary and says, greetings, O favored one. And it says in Luke 1.29 that Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern um, what sort of greeting this might be. The fact that Mary was troubled means she was human. Like, she responded as any warm-blooded, real person would be would by being greeted by an angel, right? The, being troubled, is, is, is this for real? Am I seeing things? 
Was there something wrong with the fish I had at lunch? Like, she's just thinking all of these things. She's troubled by what she's seeing. It seems unimaginable. And then she goes from being troubled to trying to discern what the angel is telling her. So she's thinking about the words and the greeting that the angel has just given her. She's trying to think it through. What does this mean? She's weighing things and she's trying to add things up. Look, you and I come at the Christmas story the same way that Mary did. Can this be possible? There were barriers to her believing such a thing as an angel coming to deliver her this news. But she used her reason, she asked questions, and that's what's required of all of us if we're to believe the miracle of Christmas and put our faith in Jesus. After, the, after this angel greets Mary, the angel goes on to say, uh, you are going to have a son. You're going to have a baby, and this son will reign on King David's throne forever. He will be the king of kings, and he is going to be God's own son To this, Mary asks the simple question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Fair question. Fair question. How in the world will this happen? How will this be is a polite way of saying what you're telling me is insane. But in her confusion is is not a tone of disbelief but amazement. In other places, like uh, earlier in Luke chapter 1, there's a man named Zechariah, and he questions the angel about all this great news about this coming Messiah that's coming. And he questions, but it says that it has to do with his unbelief, right? There's a way you can ask a question with unbelief, a skepticism, and then there's a a sincere question. So once in a while, uh, I'll get up in the morning and come downstairs, and Emily will say, are you wearing that? And so the question there is, is this, a, is this like a sincere question or is this not a sincere question? Like we do this, right? Are you really, you're going you're to go to those three places and be home in 10 minutes? Right? There, there's that kind of a question we ask that's like, you're ridiculous. And then there's the kind of question that is sincere and well-meaning. Well, we discover in this story that, that Mary's questions are actually well-meaning. In her confusion is a tone of Not a tone of disbelief, but amazement about how the virgin birth could even be possible. How can this be? But she's amazed. How are you going to do it? She's beginning to wonder. And then the angel tells her that the same Holy Spirit that made light and life out of darkness in creation will bring life inside of her. That she will have a baby by the Holy Spirit and the angel declared to her, nothing is impossible for God. To that she responds in verse 38, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, I've taken you on a really quick journey here, but do you see this for Mary? It's taken some time. She's she's gone from being freaked out and troubled to starting to weigh what the angel is saying, asking questions, and now coming to the point where she says, you know what? I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be as you're saying to me. She doesn't fully understand, but her faith is growing and she's willing to follow. uh, Contradictory to what um, um, Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the book of Genesis, there's this story where where Satan disguised as a serpent comes along and begins to tempt um, Eve by saying, really, there's this one tree in the garden that God won't let you eat from? That's probably the best fruit of all. He probably doesn't even really love you. He's probably keeping that from you because he wants the best for himself. But if you were to eat from that one tree he told you not to, 
Then you would become like him. And Eve took the fruit and ate it. And essentially what she did was she was saying, give me what I want to God. Whereas Mary was saying, let it be to me as you have said. See, the Eve approach to God is, I know better, and God is out to harm me. But the Mary approach to God is, he knows better. God's out to help me. Later in Genesis, there's a promise that God gives to Abraham and Sarah, this couple who will be the great descendants of Jesus. They will have a descendant who is Jesus Christ, and they are promised a child, but they're in like their 90s. And these messengers come, and they declare this word from God, you're going to have a baby. And um, they say it to Abraham, and Sarah, his wife, is in a tent there and hears it, and she laughs. And then there's this funny scenario that goes on with the messenger where the messenger's like, says to Sarah later, you laughed when we said that. And, and Sarah was like, no, I didn't. And the messenger's like, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> and, and is pressing her because she had this sarcastic laugh of disbelief. Again, Mary's response is a model for us at Christmas, a model for human response to our unexpected encounter with God. Her response of, I am your servant, let it be to me as you have said, is a beautiful step forward in belief, in faith, in Jesus. Now Mary goes and she spends some time with her older cousin Elizabeth, who is going to have a baby as well, will be John the Baptist. So so Elizabeth has a, a baby in her belly and Mary has a baby in her belly and Mary shows up to visit Elizabeth and she walks into the door and calls out to Elizabeth to greet her and the baby within Elizabeth's belly, John the Baptist, leaps for joy. And the reason that the baby leaps is because Jesus, God himself, has entered into the fray, is in Mary's belly and as he hears Mary's voice, the one carrying our Savior, he leaps for joy. And after conversing with Elizabeth, Mary concludes the exact same thing, and she is filled with such wonder and joy. She says in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We have just seen in just a few minutes here the journey of faith for Mary from being troubled and wondering and questioning to the point where she's praising God. Mary is responding now with the word that Pastor Chris used, wonder. Her thinking, her feeling, and very depths of her soul have been stirred and convinced about Jesus, and she responds with a life surrendered to him and a heart overflowing with praise. The story of Christmas, that Jesus came to us so that he could save and redeem and restore you and all things, is not fiction. It's a fact. And it's not advice that was once given. It's news of something that took place and it took place for you. My question to you tonight is, will you respond like Mary? It's a process, right? And maybe this is the end of that process to you and you're saying, yeah, I'm going to hand my life over to Jesus tonight. Or maybe it's just an earlier step in that process of saying, you know what, maybe there's something to Jesus See, we believe around here at Central that Christmas is this great picture of God's great love for us. He is so for you. He so loves you that he came to you at Christmas to prove it. He loves you so much. Here's one more piece about Mary. 
So Mary's gone from being troubled to praising God, and you think, oh, there you go. Now her life's going to be wonderful. Her life's going to be peachy. Everything's going to go well for her, but it doesn't. Things will still be hard for Mary. Mary will still be that young mother in Nazareth that everyone, nobody's believing the virgin birth line. So she's the mother of the illegitimate child. She'll always be known that way to many of the people in her small town. She's going to go through hardship, hardship to the point where she will be weeping at the foot of the cross as she watches her son Jesus in agony as he's being crucified on the cross for your sins and mine, not yet understanding why. Just witnessing the hardship, the hurt, the pain of it all. Like with Mary, our lives will not always be easy or pleasant or as we would like them to go. But when we surrender our lives to Jesus like Mary did, we are trusting that God's promises are true. And Christmas assures us that they are. Will you respond like Mary? I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I'm going to pray in a moment, and then we're going to show a video on the screen, just a really quick video. It's a video that I think does a good picture of painting the story of Mary because it includes difficulty and hardship. There's this unexpectedness to the story, but it's an unexpected gift, and at first not knowing what to do with that gift, but then moving to wonder and even celebration at even the hard things that God brings us through. But before we show that, let me pray for us all. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond in faith. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to us at Christmas. Thank you for stooping from the heights of heaven and entering into the mess of it all. Our sin, our difficulty in our lives. You stepped right in at Christmas to show us your love for us and to give us an invitation to turn our lives over to you. If you are the maker of everything, if you are the greatest lover of our souls, Oh, Lord, what rest we will experience as we turn our very lives over to you. Lord, if there are those tonight who would like to do that and give their lives to Jesus, you and I both know, Lord, they can just simply whisper a prayer to you of confession and faith, putting their trust in you, taking another step of faith towards you. For all of us, Lord, many of us have heard this story over and over and over again. Lord, make it fresh. Make our joy and make our wonder new again today, this Christmas season. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody.